It is a new day. This is a new show. A lot has been said. But none of that matters. Because everything's going to be just fine. Because if it takes division, separation, and war to succeed on this platform, then I don't want to succeed. All I can promise you is what you've got from the start. Me here every Wednesday, pouring out truth and giving you my heart. Sure, this whole freaking thing is different. The way I'm telling you this is not the norm, but that's exactly what you can expect from this show week after week. Does everything that happened bother me? A hundred freaking percent. I wish it didn't happen. I don't understand it, but it did. And it's time to move on. I don't want any part of that. So I'm never going to talk about it again. Which saddens me. Because what we started wasn't ready to end. But what he and I started has more to do about me and you. This is a community, this is a group, and we'll grow together, and whatever you guys want this show to be, it will be. All that and more. The show isn't about division and tearing down. This show is about bringing it together and celebrating. This show is about us, me, you, and whoever the hell else joins us on this crazy freaking ride. Because if it's possible to blow something up with kindness, happiness, and a good time. My brother's calling. God, this is horrible timing. But I can get it going again. If it's possible to build this through likes, through happiness, we're going to do it. Every single Wednesday, all of us will get through it. It's going to be fun. This is just show number one. We didn't know what to call it. So I thought I'd bank on the only thing that I have to offer. And that is my name. That is... All I got to offer you, this is going to be honest. This is going to be better. This is going to be our show. And this will be the worst day from here on. It'll only get better. What's this show called? It's called by my name. That's got nothing to do with arrogance or wanting fame. And everything to do with all that I can offer you. Welcome to show number one. And welcome to Mercer. I'm Bob Cobb from the Bassmasters. Well, it looks like it's just CMC now. So welcome to Mercer. Okay, I get it. That was 
a little bit different. That might not have been for everybody, but that was for everybody to see. This show's different, and, and I get it. That was different, but expect different. This show is going to change and evolve and become something awesome because I'm not going to make it that. We're going to make it that. This community has been absolutely incredible, and my commitment to the Humpers has never, ever changed. You guys came here on Wednesdays to put a little hump back in your hump day, a little happiness. I mean, we're getting you down. Let's have some fun. Nobody comes here for drama and BS. You come here to learn, to laugh, to think. And hopefully, this new evolution of the podcast can do just that for you. But it's not going to happen with my direction. It's going to happen with our direction. This community has to speak. You have to let me know what you want, what you like, what you don't like. And together, we're going to build this into a show that like I thought we had already been building towards a show that I could not wait to do every single Wednesday. And we're going to do that with a lot of guests, guests from all different leagues, people who are in front of the camera in the sport fishing industry, people who are behind the camera, people you may have never heard of, and maybe some of the most famous people out there. But we're going to build it together. And rather than talking about it, let's jump right into it with our very first guest. We're going to have multiple guests on every single show. It's not just one guest. This should be fast-paced. This should be moving. Or maybe it shouldn't. You guys will let me know. But who do you book for your first guest on your first podcast? And, you know, I thought long and hard. Who, do I book a big shooter? Do I... And I thought, who better than somebody who has done an awful lot of podcasts? Somebody who has one of the leaders and truly one of the best at it in this industry from Bass Talk Live. Let's welcome in Matt Pangerak. Matt Pangerak, thank you for jumping on, of course, of BTL fame. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talking about Orange, and you would think I'd be talking to you about that. But, I mean, there's a lot of people talking about that. So what what, what, what should we talk about? I, I don't know. Let's talk about what we normally talk about, which is the guys who fish. Yeah. I mean, well... <laughs> Okay, let's do that. I mean, I'm new to this, dude. I'm just figuring that I'm feeling my way through this. You did good on the Polinic interview. That was right up my alley. I like that. I mean, it had some borderline Rick Clun stuff in it, but then it like kind of made sense. Yeah. When he said some of that stuff, it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I thought. Like when he started talking about your brain and removing you, and I'm like, dude, you are a young Rick Clun. Like, yeah. and I never saw that in Polinic before, had you? Yeah, I mean, I knew he was kind of cerebral, but like, listen, like you can't get in the top 1% by thinking like the masses. Yeah. So like, I mean, if you go into anybody who's been at the, I mean, you can do dictators, rulers, presidents, <laughs> athletes. There's always something that makes them tick just a little different where they're looking at things from a different perspective. Otherwise, they'd be like everyone else. That's, that's a great way to look at it. You getting to interview these guys, just like me. We both grew up like mm -hmm. loving this, geeking out. This was something we loved. What is, is, is that easy for you or is it, are they all different? What's your outlook on them? On interviewing the professional anglers? Yeah. Yeah, it's easy because when you're doing a podcast format, man, you can just have a conversation with them. I mean, you have to watch like certain adjectives or verbs or whatever that is that you say like that, but some guys, but you just having a conversation with them. That's the beauty of it. I think when you get one of the guys who forgets that he's on a show 
Yeah. And he, he just goes into something that you know that if there was, you know, if he wasn't in front of a computer or sitting across from you or being interviewed, that he would be saying the exact same thing. And that's the beauty of it because then all the listeners and viewers get to see what that guy really is like and what makes him tick. And I think you get one of those every, you, you could have you know, some back-to-back interviews, but there's other, there's certain guys that are really good about making it feel like you're sitting next to him and you're the only person they're talking to. And other guys, like I personally like interviewing Kevin Van Dam, but I know what I'm going to get with Kevin Van Dam. He's Tom Brady. Yeah, he's Tom Brady. Well, I don't know. Tom Brady's getting drunk on boats and chucking the Lombardi trophy around these days. I don't think we'll ever see that out of Kevin. Oh, some people might not. But I'm just saying, you know what what you're going to get from Kevin. And it's good information, but it's all just like polished. I like the ones where the guys, they don't even know where they're going with it. They don't have an agenda and boom, there it is. That's like, that's like the golden standard. I think of a, of a good podcast interview in any, in any arena fishing unrelated. I think that's what makes a a good interview tick. Do you think podcasts are, and I think it's a good thing. Do you think that they are killing the set interview. And what I mean by that is for years, people watched late night TV and all that crap where it's like, tell me a story about that time you you went to the, I guess you recently went to the zoo, huh? And then that sets them off on just a cheese canned story. Do you think it's podcast that is kind of pushing that to the background? I think it's, I think you're, you have two different audiences there. So you have to, obviously, when you have the Canon short interview, you have time constraints. You know how it is with the facts of fishing TV show. You're trying to get a whole show into what is it like 22 minutes, 23 yeah. minutes. So, I mean, you have to have certain elements of that, but a podcast, I was listening to a podcast about podcasts. That's how deep I am into this the other day. And the guy brought up an interesting point and he said, I was telling my buddy this the other day, he said, it's an inch wide and a mile deep. And he said, that's where the podcast finds in the niche where you can take something that a a select people are interested in, but then you can go really deep in it. And that wouldn't work like in a set in, you know, in a broad spectrum where you've got six people with different interests on a couch that can handle a canned interview. But when you can go that wide and a mile deep, you can really get into it and then hit that niche. And I think that's where the podcast, that's why I think you see so much uh, enthusiasm, so much feedback, so much connection with the fans because they're like kind of in a conversation with you. They feel like they're kind of part of it. And that's where I think that podcast niche is. And you and me both know, like when we're not on talking, we talk about fishing and then we go somewhere with family and friends and we end up talking about fishing. And then we take a phone call and end up talking about fishing. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, yeah, and that's what I like about it too, because I think you probably hit the nail on the head because everything else I've done in life is under a time limit. You know, even on the stage, when you talk to those guys, there's so many times I have like a follow-up question that I mm-hmm. want to get that I not, not just even for the show, but just for me, but you can't because you got to move everybody along. So yep. I just realized maybe I screwed up with this new podcast, having a lot of guests, but um, uh I appreciate you being one of them, Matt Panger. Oh, you could go mile deep with all the guests, man. (laughs) We'll figure it out what it is, but I appreciate you for being on it. BTL, you had uh, Atifo on this week. Let's talk about uh, one of the things, topics you guys talked about, which I find hilarious, his name, D-Fo. I mean, uh, uh, number one, confidence. Winning brings you, gives you a big giant set of testicles, evidently, because Ott had no problem like shutting Jeffries down in a split yeah. second. 
He let me introduce him wrong for three freaking years before he corrected he me. He never said anything for three years? Three years. Three years. And it How wasn't did that him. come about? What was the, do you remember the original? Was he like, hey, Dave, we need, we need to talk. No, 100%. It was, um, it was at the Bassmaster Classic, which is where most of those calls happen. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm at dinner that night with, with Tommy and Soda, and we're sitting there and Ott texts and says, hey, can I talk to you? Which it was, it was late. And it's, you know, you're not used to hearing from anglers that late. And, mm-hmm. and, and the way I'm like, sure, is everything okay? And I call him right back and he's like, hey, man, I got to talk to you about my name. And he's like, uh, you've been saying it wrong. It's Defo. And, and I, I said, well, which, which one of your grandparents brought this up? And he's like, none of them, none of them. And I, I just thought I'd tell you. And I'm like, nah, there's no way, dude. Like, you know, they got their big sections there and somebody somewhere, he got off the stage and he's hot. So he's yeah. such a good person. I'm sure he got off the stage and every other time was like, Defoe's fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but gr- great grandfather, somebody told him to give me trouble. And, and that's why it became D, the extended, because yeah. I said, I will do my best to make sure everyone in fishing knows. And now it's a th- uh, it was a thing. It's still a thing. The Defoe. Well, I will say Defo catches them better than Duffo. So hey. uh, stick with it. Now, I haven't been on the Elite Series trail for a couple of years, but you know, uh-huh. I was at every one. And when I left, the big thing was Brandon Card begging for a nickname. Still begging. He is? Because I <laughs> well, know no, I... the last year that I left, we, you were throwing the conductor around because a train <laughs> went by. Remember that when, when he was weighing in? And he was cool <laughs> with that, but I have not heard that since then. No, no. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe we should. Uh, I mean, we can give him a nickname. He wants one bad. Um, I just I just don't know. Is he why. still on you for that? Every once in a while. It's weird, dude. Like the w- nickname thing is the weirdest thing because number one, I get way too much credit for it. There's a lot of people who came up with mm-hmm. a bunch of different nicknames. You know what I mean? Uh, and some of them I did. Uh, a lot of them Zona did. A lot of them did uh, came from a lot of people. But you'll mm-hmm. get people who show up. And, you know, I made the Elite Series and they're like, so what, what's my nickname? And I'm like, I, I mean, it has to be organic. Exactly. It has to have a reason. I mean, Clark Wendlet, dude, last year wins Angler of the Year, his fourth time he's ever won something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, the first time at Bass, like this is five minutes after he's held the trophy. Me and him have to go for do Toyota Talks. So we're walking over and he's like, I got a serious question for you. And I'm like, what's that? And I'm like, well, what? why have you never given me a nickname? And I'm like, cause you're freaking Clark Wendlet. You know yeah, what I that's mean? A t- that's a tough one. Cause you can't like add a Y or anything on the name. I mean, you would have to go with Mr. AOY. All right. There you go. I mean, See? he's got four of them, doesn't he? He does. He does. He's got four now. So uh, there, there are not too many guys. You could say that. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I also think not everyone needs a nickname. Yeah, 100%. Clint Eastwood did not have a nickname. People will yeah. say Dirty Harry and stuff, but those were characters. Yeah. Nobody ever says, hey, there goes Dirty Harry. They're just no. like, it's freaking Clint like Eastwood. Tommy Biffle. That's a nickname. That's a Ex- full name. <laughs> Danny exactly. Brower. Like, there's just certain guys that that's who they are. I will let you into my Tommy Biffle weirdness. Here it is. Tommy Biffle. For whatever reason, me and Robbie Floyd, you know Robbie Floyd. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Uh, we went out one night and we were having fun and big Dave Chappelle fans. And mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason, it became, I'm Tommy Biffle, bitches. That character evolved into that. And we just got stuck in it. You know, it was just a joke. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, don't mess with me. I'm Tommy Biffle, bitches. So I swear to you, every single freaking time I introduced Tommy Biffle, it came out as one thing, but in my head, 
I heard, I'm Tommy Biffle, bitches. And when he won on uh, lacrosse, yep. I, I, I actually said uh, one of the days at the way, and I'm like, and the five fish hit. When the five fish said to the scale, slap, Tommy Biffle wins. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, 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 sometimes mm. nicknames need to stay inside, I guess. Yeah, that was fun. So, do you have one just besides MC? Have you ever had no, a, a no. nickname through all your years of facts efficient or anything? Yeah, not really. No, I'm just Mercer. I'm always Mercer. Yeah, you like, go by your last name. I've never even grown up. You know what I mean? I, I always want to. Canadians nickname. love nicknames. They do. They do. But Mercer, I guess, is what what i am and i'm okay yeah. with that i mean i had a nickname for about 21 weeks and it it didn't really pan out well but this did so <laughs> i hear you so thank you very much matt pagarek for watching you on btl how cool was that i mean i could talk to matt pagarek for hours um so maybe one interview in he's exposed the weakness in my big idea of having a lot of guests and a lot of moving parts uh, maybe it's not enough time and if it's not, we'll change. That's the beautiful thing about this show. And speaking of change, that's one of the things that amazes me about Panger. Panger's an amazing dude. I've known him for a, uh, over a decade. I mean, he, the first 10 years I worked for the Elite Series, he was every single Elite Series event and um, got a great job at BTL. I mean, this is their 17th season at Bass Talk Live. So kudos to Mark Jeffries and that whole team. But a lot of people would sit back and be like, this is what I want to do. Well, Panger is not one of those people. He is chasing his dreams, actively fishing the Opens, trying to qualify for the Bassmaster Elite Series. And I don't care who you are. That is freaking cool. Speaking of cool, let's bring in our next guest. I mean, this guy, uh, I mean, I love hanging out with this dude. He is a Bassmaster Elite Series pro. He is the 2017 Bass Nation National Champion. And what he's trying to do is uh, just stupid. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Caleb Sumrall. Caleb Sumrall, I love you, but I think you're a little bit freaking insane. You have a tournament coming up, which most people like they kind of explain the orange tournament is a, a overused word grinder, but you decided to do what before that? Oh man, you know, I decided to run a little, just a little run, just a little jog. And, and what's this jog called? It's called the it's called the David Goggins four by four by 48 challenge. And, and how does that work? It works. The way you work it is you run four miles every four hours for 48 hours. Good. Other than being a sick individual, <laughs> why? Man, I, I've been running a little bit. I mean, all last year, I set a goal. I get a little crazy with see these goals. I get in my head and I'm like, I don't want to say OCD about it, but it's like I, I got to do it. And when I see the end inside, I, I really want to do it. And I've always, I've been seeing it online. I've been seeing it on the internet. I see David Goggins doing it. I mean, the, the dude's insane. He runs like 240 mile races. I'm not trying to do that. But, you know, there was this challenge that was kind of taken off. I'm like, man, I, I really think I can do that. And um, we had this week off between Pick and Sabine. And I, I kind of worked out pretty hard one day. And I said, well, I can't do start it tomorrow. So let me give me. I'm going to give myself two days of rest. I'm going to eat right, kind of. And then I'm going to take off on Thursday or uh, Wednesday evening. And, uh, yeah, so it's like, yeah, it's the last day. I have one leg left. I am 40. I am 44 miles in. 
Um, I start my last leg at four o'clock this afternoon and I'll be done. And um, I mean, dude, I leave for orange tomorrow (laughs) to go start practice for four days, daylight till dark in the heat on a grinder tournament, like you said. And I feel great, dude. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place mentally. Um, You know, that's kind of what it, I, I, I kind of thought about it as I was running it. And, you know, this is kind of preparing me for a tough event. I mean, nothing is tougher than running. Nothing sucks more than running. It sucks. Totally. Every <laughs> sucks. Just sucks. It's higher weight. But you get this sense of accomplishment when you're done. I mean, you'll never regret doing it. And, you know, taking that mindset into Sabine is going to be huge, I think. So that's kind of, it's kind of preparation for it. Is there is the advantage you get from from running? I mean, you, there's been a lot of pros. I mean, Aaron probably the most vocal of yes. of a, as far as running. But is the advantage you get from running? Is it more physical or is it mental or is it both? It's, it is most definitely 100 percent both. Um, you know, the biggest thing physically I've seen in return from running and working out has been my balance on the boat and your endurance, of course. Um, you know, if you're fishing offshore and fighting boat and waves, Mike Express does great. I never have a problem with that. But, it, you know, you fish in the three, four foot waves all day. You're going to be tired at the end of the day. Your legs, you're going to lose balance sometimes. Hit a stump. I find that my balance is a little bit better and I'm less fatigued at the end of the day. Mentally, it's just, it's just, you feel, I don't know. Me and you were talking about this other day. You just kind of, it's almost like meditation. You think about all these things you have to do. There's no phone calls coming through. Nobody's texting you. You just thinking about what you have to do, thinking about things. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's a mental preparation for sure. You are such a weirdo, but I love it. And here's another thing I love about you. And I haven't had a chance to ask you about this, but right? after the last event, I mean, dollar bill wins. It's all exciting. We're on Pickwick. We're there two days later than everybody wants to get out of there. I mean, I don't know why, but adding two days to an event makes it seem so much longer for the staff, for the anglers and everything. But I give Bill a hug and I'm like, I'm ready to drive home and do this stupid podcast. Um, and I look down, dude, you were fishing. You were not yeah. in the tournament anymore, but as soon as it was legally able, you went back out there. Why? Just, <laughs> man, Pickwick was showing out, dude. You seen the fish that was being caught. Um, I had a lot of fun in that event and, and, you know, doing what we do, we can never stop learning. And there's not too often I get to catch smallmouth, you know, on a tail race. And it's, it was unique to me. And I was very interested. Lee was there with me. We had to stay the next day over, do a guide trip. And I'm like, dude, and we both said it. said, dude, this is good fishing. You know, we wanted to be a way in. We wanted to support our boys. We had Brock in the top 10. We had Bill, my teammate, in the top 10. You know, we, we, we stayed there. We congratulated everybody. And I looked at him like, you ready? He said, yep. We put the boat in the water. We went back and we smashed them that evening too. So Lee went with you too. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Okay, all right. So uh, you guys, uh, I mean, an odd pairing for roommates, but but I love that about you. So you're doing the four by four by forty eight to get ready for this event. What do you think, Lee's doing? He's doing a. It's called a. He's doing four ten ounces and four twelve ounces of Michelob Ultra, probably. <laughs> <laughs> 48 minutes <laughs> everybody has their approach and it works for both you guys but caleb thanks for doing this i'll let you get back to running you're a sick individual but i love you for it
Appreciate you, brother. See you the next one. I mean, that's what makes Elite Series pros and tournament anglers in general so cool. I mean, they always have, they're always unique people. We see them as anglers and we see everything that happens at events. But I mean, an incredibly driven individual. But um, hard work, I guess, pays off. Uh, you know, on Bassmaster, they have the screen of knowledge. Well, here on this show, we have the the iPad of stupidity. And just a few hours after our interview... Here's our boy, Caleb. I think those legs are burning. <laughs> Back in the boat safely, and uh, Caleb Summerall, unbelievably driven angler, but boy, man, uh, bad luck, but got off the stump, as he said, and the crazy thing is that's in Orange, Texas, which is the Texas-Louisiana border, which there's more things that bite you than don't bite you, so that makes that absolutely unbelievable. Another unbelievable story from last week was the Auburn fishing team that got suspended for a year. Well, there's some good news with that. And one of the guys who fought for it, believe it or not, who ran into, or I guess rode to the rescue from kayak bass fishing, Chad Hoover. Let's bring in the chick magnet himself. Let me see that cup. Let me see the cup. Show us the cup. Who cares about kayak bass fishing? The chick magnet is here to give us answers. Chad Hoover, you, uh, I, 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 I've referred to you as the guy who, you know, rode in. And, and I know a lot of people worked on this. But first of all, thanks for all the work you do with collegiate teams and especially Auburn. We all know the story and what happened. Can you give us an update? I don't know if everybody knows the story and what happened. There's a lot of polarization that happened, just like with any topic, where a lot of people think, okay, so there's two sides of it that I see. These kids did something and they didn't get held accountable. And like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the school came down this hard. And just like every story, you know, there's their side, the other side, and the truth is somewhere in the middle. It's the same way with this story. Um, in my original video, the point wasn't to say that these kids didn't do anything wrong. Uh, I actually kind of took it for granted that if they got suspended, that most people knew <laughs> that they had to have done at least something wrong. So, but what I focused on, and I did reiterate this three times in the first minute and a half of the video is I felt like it was a disproportionate um, application of discipline. Now guys are calling that the dad principle. It's like they've made an acronym out of it. Um, <laughs> telling me to get t-shirts made and stuff, but I, just, I don't want to belabor the point. The whole goal behind this was to create a conversation, to create a conversation, not to create some type of cancel culture, you know, go out and cancel Auburn, get this guy fired or that guy fired, which is why I avoided calling any names in particular. Uh, I did reach out to Auburn's staff uh, much like yourself, uh, everybody saw the emails that Jordan Lee and, and Robin and Randy Howell and everybody else were posting. And I sent them an email and they did respond. Uh, Dr. Woodard responded and said, hey, um, out of respect for the students, 
I would prefer not to say anything until after they've had their chance to have the meeting. Now, now I'm not going to lie and say that my response wasn't a little curt. I responded and said, oh, now you want to give them the benefit of the doubt. But before that, they were pretty much wiped off of the face of college fishing and they had no recourse. And now they have a, an appeal, which you weren't going to give them before. And so I'm just proud of the fact that, that the conversation at least led to what you would normally expect a college to do was to give somebody due process. Um, I get it. It's not a court of law. You don't get all the same rules, but you would still expect people to have a certain formula. You would expect to where one person couldn't just make a decision, then get everybody else to sign off on it, and then unilaterally just dismiss a program where these kids, and what's funny is there's a lot of programs in the country you could have dismissed. I think this was the wrong one because these kids are by far, I say kids, they're young men. These young men are by far the most organized when it comes to marketing. Uh, ironically enough, they had put this video series together called The Reclamation. <laughs> and, now they're, and now they're actually, they might've been a little bit prophetic with that. They're now actually going to get a chance to do a, a bit of a reclamation. Uh, they've got more wrapped boats and more marketing and more anything than any college fishing program uh, that I've ever seen. The only one that's even close that I know of is Campbellsville University in Kentucky. They've got a lot of wrap boats and trucks and trailers and all that. Most wow. other schools are like a hodgepodge. But these kids, if you were going to draw the model of what a college fishing program uh, would look like, that's pretty much it. They've got, you know, board meetings and the a hierarchy in their board. A lot of times you'll have a hierarchy, you'll have a president, you'll have, but they all kind of just do it together. And this one, they run it like a little business. You know, they've pulled some really good sponsorship dollars. They've reinvested those sponsorship dollars in this video series to not just promote Auburn fishing, but to promote college fishing uh, in general. They promote the series that they, that they fish. They yeah. promote, you know, the Bassmaster series, you know, very strongly. And I think what they were doing was good for fishing. Now, just like everybody else, they were a little bit indignant and maybe even a little bit irreverent in the way that they went about saying we shouldn't be not able to fish when all of these other programs are, are going full bore. Um, but when you, when you make your case and the answer is no, and you do it anyway, you realize, you have to realize that you are potentially putting yourself in the, in the, in the place to where there could be consequences and, and there were um and my point all along was this even if there there were consequences which there should have been it didn't have to be the whole team and it didn't have to be that disproportionate because the whole they have 100 guys on their team 100 people 100 guys and gals on their team and i think four of them travel so you don't just you know everybody's gone i mean yeah you don't you don't you don't you know euthanize the patient because they have a hangnail that was my point is like come on you got to be kidding me and there's kids that are at this program because uh, their parents saw Jordan Lee, you know, yeah, no, win the classic back to back and then knew that that's the program that he came from and then look into the program and like, yeah, that's where I want my kid to go to school so that they can fish. And so I also think the kind of the, the part that maybe these bigger universities who make a lot of money off the big three, you know, basketball, football, baseball, they don't realize that a large portion of the fan base of those three sports hunt and fish <laughs> especially in alabama i went to their website and over a third of their merchandise was camo so to kind of 
to, to, to joke a little bit and to kind of point out the hypocrisy of the whole thing, I screenshotted an Auburn real tree, you know, camo hat and posted it on my Instagram. I was like, who do you guys think are buying these hats? You know what I mean? This ain't fashion, especially in Alabama. It's a lifestyle. And well, in Alabama, camo is a little bit of a fashion too. Let's be honest. I mean, right. But it's a lifestyle. Fashion. <laughs> I you know what yeah. sure. Especially if you ever go to a Walmart in Alabama. You know. <laughs> um, but again, those people who buy that stuff and the people that are fans of those three sports are by and large in most of the country, but definitely in the South, they hunt and they fish. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, you know, you, you kind of were bleeding over into that other, those other sports. And to me, it's just a little ridiculous how hard and how far they're going to make sure these other sports go, but literally just like, yeah, club sports is canceled. It was like there was no effort put into that at all. And then they picked the one sport, the one sport where social distancing is what we do. The one sport where the two students who are even on the same team are 20 foot apart, except yeah. when they're in the truck together. And they're the, they're literally the farthest apart of any sport there is. You know what I mean? Chess, they're across the, the table from each other. You know what I mean? Badminton, they're closer. Volleyball and basketball. The, the crazy thing about it, too, is football. If you go to Auburn's football uh, Instagram, like they have clips of guys nose to nose in the wintertime football breathing, and this guy's breathing in that guy's breath. You can see it. It's the only time in the year you can see your breath, and it shows them breathing into each other's face, and but, that's okay. But they wear face masks on the, on the bench, dude. I that's mean, true. That is. They do remember that. On, yeah, when they sit down on the bench. Okay, so the good news is, though, there has been a bit of a resolution. And what is that? The resolution was they had to accept a suspension. Uh, they suspended them through April 22nd. Um, I think I said August 22nd because I was really excited in the in the follow-up video. <laughs> no, they've been they've been uh, April 22nd. They they missed two major tournaments in the college series. Uh, one um, FLW event and one I mean one major league fishing event and one Bassmaster event, and then they're able to you know, pick back up with fishing. They now have protocols. They have, you know, they have things that they didn't have before. And I think to a certain extent, other universities are going to follow suit and how they manage this. Um, yeah. And, you know, the other thing that's crazy to me is in other sports, students are testing positive for COVID after going and traveling. And when they do, what they do is they just take those students out. So this statement about, we did this because we cared about the health and safety of our students is a little bit of a stretch for me because you have other sports going on where students are actually contracting the coronavirus. They are actually getting infected. Then they're being pulled out of the tournament and they, they get disqualified or they get a, a no contest and then they go home. But yet you keep pushing through that. Whereas this one, there's no documented case of a person going fishing on the fishing team and catching COVID. So if you're really using the argument about safety, it's almost moot to me because if you're a hundred percent, we are 100% dedicated to safety, then you don't ever put your kids into that. But we can never truly say that as human beings, because if we were a hundred percent safe, we wouldn't drive cars to work because more people die in cars than anything else. We would never fly in airplanes. We would never take a risk. Guys like you would never drive their bass boat, you know, 75 miles an hour chine walking down a lake you know what I mean there's just never so that that argument to me is a little bit silly I get it that it's a 
it's one of those tug on the heartstring things that you can use as a yeah free card but it's a little bit hypocrisy when you turn around and put 350 students into a building and say this is the bubble and we're going to have a tournament there uh, yeah come on it's kind of kind of the deal with all of this really when you yeah, think about it. not just this but but covid in general like i mean oh, yeah. it's, you go to the airport they keep you six feet apart because they want you to be safe i mean you line up at starbucks you're going to be six feet apart but but the moment that that thing pulls up to the gate and they're going to jam you in side by side there so yeah six feet apart you out in the lobby you have to skip a seat so there are people <laughs> standing around who can't sit who can't sit next down to each other sit down next to each other but then once you get inside the airplane you get smushed into seats and then you, you're breathing the same recirculated air as everybody else. So yeah, it's all silly. Very silly. But what wasn't silly was the job that you did. I mean, you worked hard with that team with a lot of people to get this fixed. And on behalf of the entire fishing industry, I want to thank you, Chad. That was hey, not, Listen, man, I want to thank the entire fishing industry because just me and my redneck butt could have squawked all I wanted to. It was the, it was the collective pickup. It was, Things come in full circle, you know, the Gerald Swindells and the, and the, you know, the Randy Howells and you and, you know, a couple of other influential YouTubers and people caring enough to take the time to say, nah, you know, this isn't fair. And, and I want to thank the middle. I don't want to thank the people on one crazy extreme who use that as an opportunity to talk about the pandemic or how, you know, coronavirus is real. We can stop playing that game. It's real. But some of the hypocrisy out there is silly. I think politicians think they live by one set of rules, but we should live by another one and all that craziness. But what I was really proud of for our sport is that the middle was louder than the one left far extreme or the one right far extreme and the middle prevailed, which is, I think, representative of how most topics, if we're handled correctly, how we would get more progress in getting decisions made and better outcomes. So I'm proud of us as fishing that we came together, that influencers reached out to influencers. Nobody let the dynamic get so far out of control that it became about one narrative or another. It stayed on point. It was about Auburn University being able to fish again. It didn't spill over into all other forms of eccentric yeah. you know, aberrations of this topic like happens with every other thing that's going on right now. And so to me, I can't say enough about how awesome – it was to see that happen, how proud I am of our industry and the, the way that we actually came together for a resolution in the middle of a time when nobody does that. Everybody comes in and literally starts blowing things up and making it worse. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, I was just proud of how it all worked out. Well, thanks for everything you did. And uh, thankfully, Auburn University will be back fishing before you know it. And now they got a lot of eyes on those guys. I talked to Logan afterwards and I said, Hey, listen, dude, here's the one thing that came out of this. You will not fish a tournament this year that everybody in the country is not eyeballs on you. So you guys can't go out there and stink it up. Now you pretty much got to go. You got to go bring it. So yeah, but they, they can't beat anyone either. Cause you imagine that oh, I got beat by a guy that should have been suspended. <laughs> I actually haven't even thought about that yet, but that's actually pretty funny. So everybody that from Auburn down really can look at it like I shouldn't have been beat by them. They shouldn't even be here. Maybe I shouldn't have signed that petition. So anyway. Hey, there's a bunch of pro anglers out there right now when they look at Jordan Lee and Matt Lee and guys like that. They kind of wish Auburn had been suspended a long time ago. An incredible program. I'm going to tell you my opinion on this, and we could call this the parting shot. 
I had some people that flared up and said they think that this college fishing program is stupid. It's silly. I don't think kids should be fishing in college. I, I'm going to tell you right now, there's two types of people in this world that people that wish they could have fished in college and liars. Because <laughs> if you don't wish you could have done something like that when you were younger, you're just a bitter person that really is one of those, I sh- people should have it as hard as I have. I'm all about progress. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. all about getting things getting better. Uh, I wish they had high school fishing. Yeah. Now I probably wouldn't have participated in several other sports, but I wish they had this kind of stuff when I was coming up. But, you know, all we can do now is foster it. We can make it better. We can grow on it. I love what, what Bass does with this program, the opportunity that they provide these young men and young women. And I'll tell you what, there's some hammers coming up through the fishing circuit that are female anglers that people are going to be like, whoa, this is an opportunity to change the whole conversation about fishing. And I'm excited. To, I'm excited to see it. That female topic, I think it's a great topic when it comes to college angling too, because I've always said, you know, people, why has there never been a female angler that has really dominated and really, and I've always said it's similar to why up until a few years ago, we haven't had a Canadian angler dominate really when you think, just because there's, if you look at the thousands and thousands of people that fish in Alabama, and if you look at the whatever percentage is 0.1% that make it to the elites or make it to MLF, whatever, you know, or make it kayak bass fishing tour. I mean, yeah. you, it's such a small percentage. There hasn't been enough females fishing, you know, competitively, yeah. lots of female college fishing and kayak fishing has changed out a lot. Absolutely. We're going to let you go, but I'm going to give you, give me three names, three ladies we got to look out for in the future. You got to look out for a girl named Christine Fisher. Obviously, she has made a big name for herself, um, Midwest Fisher girl. Uh, she's one of them. There's a couple. Of, and here's the other problem. There's such a delta between her and the other female anglers that are out there fishing. It would really be unfair for me to name any other two because they're so close together. So I'm wow. going to take the political uh, route and I'm going to cop out a little bit, even though I know people are going to call me on it. But I think she fishes on a different level. She fishes on a different level than most of the men in our organization. So I, um, I'm not the kind of person that likes to categorize people. And I don't think we should have a female series. That's why KBF doesn't separate it. Um, I don't think she just fishes well as a female angler. I think she fishes well as an angler. And I don't think she's in a category. I think she's in a category called winner, called champion, called hammer you know what i'm saying and she just is on another level even above like you said there are thousands and tens of thousands that have tried to even get on that podium and she's been on it multiple times so it proves nothing she's done is a fluke i've watched her put in the work and so here's what i will say if you want to be successful in anything it's not just about the talent you're given it's not just about the skills you have it's about the work that you put with that to finish out that formula and she's just the one so far that's done that extra. She's got the talent. She's got the ability. But she also has done that intangible, the hard to the hard to, to, to quantify part. She's put in the work. Chad, you're awesome. Thanks for doing this. Uh, I know you just got getting back from an anniversary trip. So go get hydrated. <laughs> thank you, man. <laughs> Pretty awesome stuff by Chad there. And uh, thank you for your incredibly hard work to get these guys back fishing and get the Auburn hat back on Steve Kendi's head, which is a feat I never, ever 
thought would happen. I mean, he took the hat off for just a few days. I mean, I'm I'm sure he was whoa, I'm excited to put it back on once it got all figured out. But uh, um, pfft, crazy story. Hopefully other schools aren't dealing with that. But let's go from that to something incredibly awkward or what people think is awkward. I hear all the time, you know, a few weeks ago I was on Ike's show and during Ike Live, the question came up, who are the most awkward people to interview on stage? And I didn't bring him up, but everybody else brought him up in the comments. And it's a guy who I miss on the Elite Series because we had this marvelously awkward, weird one-word exchanges that would go on for a minute to two minutes on stage. And because of that, we were having fun. But because of that, everybody thinks we hate each other. But if we hated each other, I couldn't pull this off, could I? We are going deep within the bowels of some swanky private airport strip in California to join one Ish Monroe. What up, Ish? What's going on? Uh, just people think we're awkward. You know, I was on Ike's show a few weeks ago and people said, who are the most awkward people on stage with you? And they said, you. I, I do the same thing every time, so it's got to be your fault. No, it's definitely you. Me? You. Guaranteed to be you. But I, okay, let's get past that. I kind of miss I'm you. The, do you I'm miss me? I am the talent. I am the talent. You're the host. I'm the talent. So the talent can't be awkward. You're right. You're right. But but if the talent, what do you mean the talent can't be awkward? Talent is famous for being awkward. Talent is not famous for being awkward. Talent is the talent. Like we make the show. The host just kind of does his deal and we make the host look good. Yes. Yes, that, that's true. But uh, right. uh, Easy. you're from California. Just say yes. Just say yes. Yes, ish. Yes. See, see how easy that was. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Why do people think we're awkward? Because you're from Canada and I'm from California, and that makes us awkward. But Shania Twain is also from Canada, and if I was from California and she was from Canada, that definitely would not be awkward. No, no, I feel that it would be fine then. Yes. So is is it my looks that make it awkward? Is that what you're saying? If, if you, or my inability to sing? Your inability to dance. Like See, dance. See you don't you don't know ish. I, I feel that I can dance very good. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily <laughs> say you would look good in tight jeans and heels. Well, I, I didn't know you needed that for dancing. Ish, what are you freaking doing? You're in an airport right now, which is such a freaking ish place to be. You are limousine flying, jet plane riding, son of a gun. Where are you going? So someday, someday I, I hope to be, you know, as famous as you and have private, private, private all the time. It's nice. It is, dude. But the hardest part about it is I got to get used to commercial at some point when I retire, right? But I mean, I'll enjoy it while it's here. <laughs> Now, I am uh, heading to North Carolina for heavy hitters. Um, I'm leaving home where fishing is phenomenal. To go to a lake that I'm hoping is pretty good, but fishing is phenomenal at home right now. I want to talk to you about home because one of the things we hear all the time about West Coast anglers and California anglers, you know, what, 
Yes, you do. You do okay. hear that a lot. And, and, and but, I mean, I don't know the best overall, but they have, they have some of the best are from there. And I would say, but you hear that about you guys a lot. And my theory on it is it, it's similar to the Canadian guys to a much smaller extent. Obviously the Canadian invasion j- just starting now. I mean, you guys have been doing this for years, but the ones that make the commitment to come all the way over and compete, they are truly the best of the best, you know, for the, it's, it's not something you can. So why do you think the West coast guys, I mean, it doesn't matter what I think. What do you think? It's the diverse fishery. Right. Phone call calling in Yamaha. I'm going to have to call them. It's the diverse fishery. Wait, so you, you, you just, you just got rid of a call from Yamaha for this? Yes. So let's plug Yamaha. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell oh, anybody though. Hey, is what's your favorite outboard? Right there. It's on my shirt. There you go. They'll be happy now. You can call them yeah. back in a minute. Yeah. So it's the diverse fisheries. Yes. I mean, you tell about where I live, I got Clear Lake. Shallow, flat, grass, kind of like the north end's like Lake Okeechobee. The south end is more like a gunnersville. Then you have the California Delta, which is blues, shallow water, fishing. Then you have Lake Shasta. You have Oroville. They're deep water fisheries with spotted bass. Then you have uh, McClure and Maloney's and Don Pedro, which are more like highland reservoirs with largemouth and smallmouth. And, you know, then you get Havasu, which is a clear water river situation. Then you've got, you know, all the deep water lakes with the giant bass in them. I mean, there's just so many diverse fisheries we have at all. And, I think that we grow up fishing so many different ways that we can compete. You know, you get a lot of guys from Alabama and you throw them in gin crystal clear water and they freak out. You take a guy from up North, you know, except for that one Michigan guy, he gets in dirty water and he freaks out. Yeah. You know? So, so that's, you know, that's just the way it is. What do you think makes that one Michigan guy freak out? Like, I mean, you said dirt, you know, he doesn't, no, he doesn't freak out. No, he never freaks out. He never freaks ever? out. There's only one way. There's only one way I've ever seen him rattle. One. Well, oh, will and you I give it to us? Secret. Give it to us. Ask the guy, which cranking rod does he throw his frog on? His sexy frog. Oh, you think that'll rattle him? Oh, it burns him. It burns him because he knows that he knows nothing about frog fishing. Have you ever seen that? <laughs> one on the frog i i'm trying to remember i i don't i i do know when i prefished him when he picked up the frog when i prefished with him for one of the classics he, he turned to me and he said hey look at kvd throwing a frog so that may tell you, did it, all you bill? Did, it, did it have a 10xd bill on it oh yeah it was a deep diving frog yeah that's exactly see so that's the only way i've ever seen him rattle i was he told me about his new sexy frog coming out i'm like so tell me about it he goes well it has dean's hook in it and i'm like Dean's hook. Dean didn't design that hook. Well, it's the same hook the Spro has in it. And I'm like, and you think that's the best hook? And you just start seeing him. And I'm like, so what else to do? He goes, it walks. And I'm like, every frog walks. And he's like, well, it's got really cool colors. I said, Kevin, does color really matter on top water? And you just watch the guy start burning. That's the only time I've ever seen him rattled and burned up. Frog so, fishing. So, so all we need to, 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 to Kevin proof. Pro fishing, we just need to put every event on a frog lake. And speaking of frog, you, yeah. uh, there's been a long argument between you, Dean Rojas, many others. You know, Cajun Baby likes to throw his freaking yeah. hat in there. 
Yeah. So you're the king of frogs, are you not? Yeah. Yes, I am. I'm the only guy that's won solely on a frog, except for one other guy, Fred Rambanis. He won one tournament on a frog. But Dean will tell you that he has never won solely on the frog. So it's, it's gotten you. him there. It's gotten him there, but he has not solely won on it. Are you the big bass specialist because you're from out west? Are you the big bass specialist because of who you are? What wit, do, do those have anything to do with each other? It's, it's the way that I decided I wanted to fish. And it's punching heavy mass. It's throwing a frog, a buzz bait, a big top water, a swim bait. It's the way I love to fish. It's not from being out west. It's just I love to fish for big ones. I, I don't really like catching little ones. And when I fish on a big fish fishery, I'm in. So heavy hitters should set up well for you, right? I'm hoping. I mean, last whoop, dang. oh boy, easy. We have a high production standard with this show. Ish, slow yeah. the frick down. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I was there, I actually won my first day. Um, rolled into a pocket. I had nine bass that weighed forty-eight pounds. So, wow! It should hopefully we're fishing that lake again hopefully make it to the knockout round and the finals and fish for big ones and win the event. 100000 for the biggest fish on the last day. Not bad. Not bad. One, one cap. Might Pretty as great. well do it. Might as well do Might it. Well. One of the things that blows me away about you, Ish, is your work ethic. People don't see this from the outside. I'm going to tell you it's one of the hidden things. Everybody, you play it off like, but dude, you are one of the most driven hardworking people and i'm not just talking about on the water work ethic i'm talking about off the water business wise everything um what drives you to be that money it's all about the money it, it's just money it's just money i mean what who doesn't want to be motivated by money <laughs> it's a great people motivator keep, people keep saying that money can't buy you happiness I, I swear to you, everybody that I know that has money, they're overall pretty happy. I mean, they have their moments, but overall, they're pretty happy. Life's pretty easy. Yeah. Well, I, and I imagine whether you're whether you're rich or broke, you have your bad days and good days. But I mean, right. I, if you got money, the good days are just a little bit gooder. If you know I, what I mean. I mean, I mean, if I had a hundred million, I'd be on an island somewhere, flip flops and shorts, and a center console with quad 425 Yamaha XTOs on it and chasing some kind of saltwater fish. That would be oh. happiness. Is it ever not the year of Ishama? Uh, there's been a couple. There's been a couple, you know, where you just, every fish doesn't make it in the boat. Every fish comes off. Every fish happens. Guys, hit your boats in locks. I'm just saying, I mean, things happen. Would you tell me about that? I mean, I I don't want to put you on the spot, but you threw it up with, or, or is that like you don't talk about that anymore? I really don't talk about it. Okay. So that was one of my bad moments in my career. You know, it was just things happen. Yeah, I mean, it yeah, happens. Because of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I got you. I got you. Okay, Ish. Last question: What do you want this sport? to remember about Ish Monroe? I mean, I know you love the money and everything, but I'm sure you want to make an impact. And what do you want to be remembered for? Uh, the guy that, you know, helped kind of brought more kids into the sport, helped it grow, helped it, you know, taught the kids the right way because, man, it, and it's a hard job right now because I see it with these college anglers and the professionalism from these guys. It, 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 
somebody really needs to take him out back, beat him with a stick, and show him how to be more professional. You know, give a guy some courtesy. You know, stop, uh, you know, running up on guys. Stop coaching. Stop pole jumping. Respect. And then don't go running up to a sponsor. Hey, I fish for a living. You need to pay me. No. What can I do for you so that I can further my career? That should be that should what they should be asking. So that's what I would remember for is helping, you know, teach the younger generation the way. Very, very cool. Well, listen, I, I'm going to throw a challenge out to you and then I'll let you go get on your jet and eat the salted peanuts yeah. or whatever they're going to serve you. Um, will, will you, when you catch a giant fish on camera this week, will, will you drop a little boom shakalaka? I mean, I, 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 I feel like I, the I, world I, should I, know our, our friendship is tight. A little boom shakalaka? Boom shakalaka is like that, yeah. And I catch that 8, 9, 10, 12 pounder. I can do that. I'm going to watch it might be for a thought. it. It might be a five, but yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it. Hey, dude, as long, as long as you drop the boom shakalaka, it could be any, it could be the cover up a fart for all I care. As long as you drop it, I'm all in. <laughs> Ishman Rowe, thank you very much. You are awesome. Thanks, Dave. Ishman Rowe is awesome. I mean, I don't care who you are. That dude is, I, I mean, it's, it's, I have so many ish stories. And I, one I forgot to bring up, I mean, the most, the dude is incredibly successful, like ridiculously successful. Most people look at him and they're like, yeah, he's successful, but you have no idea. I mean, I'll give you an idea of how successful he is. I was at, me and my wife had an opportunity to go to um, Chris and Trey Zaldane's wedding. It was in Vegas. It was on Lake Las Vegas. So just outside of Vegas, about 30 minutes or so. So we were staying on the strip and, you know, we're walking around like idiots with big giant drinks that are just only tourists drink and we're like well we got to go to this wedding you know so how are we going to get there we just realized it wasn't on the strip so I'm looking around and I'm like man if I hadn't drank this big giant drink I'd rent one of those obnoxious Ferraris and we'd drive it there so I had drank a giant big drink so I didn't and we just you know took a regular car but we get there and there is this bitching Ferrari out front and I'm like oh what what jackknife Freaking went and rented one of those cheese ball Ferraris on the strip and showed up here at the wedding. So I later found out it was not a jackknife and it was not a rental. It was Ish's Ferrari. So um, Ish, Ish and Fish have, have done pretty well for him. But speaking of doing well, it brings us to our final guest of the very first edition of this version of the podcast. And I wanted it to be somebody super cool. Somebody that, you know... Uh, good friends with but somebody that sometimes I you know pinch myself and say is this real like I mean I grew up a fishing geek like I mean I, I'm obsessed with this stuff just like a lot of you you know I remember Dusty Pines throwing the freaking rat on Thousand Islands I basil bacon uh, <laughs> coffee time you know so many great Bassmaster memories you know Chuck Economo Mark Menendez battling it out on Pickwick like all these memories come to my head when I think of bass fishing, um, but one of them was when I was a little kid and this dude won the classic on this bait called Bacon Rind. And it was before the internet, but I did everything I could to get a pack of Bacon Rind. And when you're a little kid, you watch somebody like that win and you think, man, one day it'd be cool to be friends with a guy who won the classic. And, you know, we could watch tournaments and I could call him up and be like, hey, well, what would you do in this situation? Well, not only anyway, friends with a guy like that, but but now I get to work tightly with him, and even more so in the last few tournaments, 
where we're doing play-by-play together. And and it is definitely one of those moments that, that you pinch yourself. But I'm proud to call him a friend. And he is our next guest. He is a two-time Bassmaster Angler of the Year. He is a Bassmaster Classic Champion. He is an eight-time Bassmaster winner from 96 South Carolina, Davey Height. Davey Height, thanks for taking the time. You gotta put up enough with me this week. So I appreciate this is this is bonus time. And uh I just asked my wife, nobody needs any of that. We're heading to Orange. How you feeling about it? So I'm really excited uh, to go there. Uh the first thing I looked at is weather forecast. We've been so unfortunate with uh, weather there in Orange, Texas. Great crowds despite some torrential rains in the past, that sort of thing. So first and foremost, the weather forecast looks great. This body of water, you have the unique perspective of covering it. You know, I think in 18, you were on our coverage team. But in 15, I mean, you had a great finish there, top 20 finish there. So you've had the unique perspective of covering this event, but all sufficient. But before we even talk about covering it, talk to me about what it's like to compete there. I mean, you look at the elite series, the young guys we have now, that this isn't just your regular body of water. They, 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 you tell me. Well, uh, the, the first thing I notice is uh, – how many miles of, of rivers and, and waterways and intercoastal and, I mean, you just name it, a marsh that these anglers, even with just the Texas side, how many miles and miles you can, you can fish. And, you know, a little different this year. They, uh, they gave those guys because, you know, we had the delay. Uh, thought we were going to be August fishing there, but turns out uh, – we're going to be there in April, which is a much better time to be there. So they gave the anglers an extra day of practice, um, which is good for the anglers that have not been there. Um, one concern there is, you know, an extra day of practice is an extra day of sitting hook on a few to see how, you know, if they're big or little. So, you know, there's pros and cons there with that. Uh, but that being said, the anglers that have not been there, it's just so vast. It really, really is. And and, and that's the first thing. This, the second thing is this title. Uh, and, you know, you have a practice and you'll, you'll catch them on one tide, especially with a four-day practice on day, day one of practice. And then on day one of a tournament, you have total different tides. So that can be a little interesting uh, for, for the anglers. The other thing is, Dave, I'm, I'll be honest with you. We all love seeing anglers catch big fish, big bass, big stage, big dreams. That's what we're about. This place isn't that, but I like the change up. You know, I, I like big bass fisheries. This place is a good fishery. We've been unfortunate with weather. There's great crowds. Uh, Orange, Texas puts a lot into it. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with winning an event with 60, 70 pounds kind of deal instead of shooting for 100 pounds all the time. Now, I want the 100 pounds, but it's, it's going to be a great tournament. This body of water, one of the things that I hear when you talk to people is it kind of gets a bad rap as as because, you know, look at the, I mean, number one, where it's located in Texas doesn't give it a fair chance. I mean, you you need to, uh, you know, it's kind of like being Mike Tyson's brother and being a pretty good boxer. You're not going to stand out. Um, but but I think one of the things that I've seen from covering it, Davey, and whether you, I'd love to know if you agree or disagree, it doesn't seem like getting bites is the problem. You know, I've covered a lot of guys where they're catching a lot of fish. It's getting those keeper fish that, that has been It is, and that's the case. With our five-fish limit, it's all about catching bigger fish. That's the tournaments that we all grew up fishing. 
It's all about catching those bigger yeah. fish. And, and when we say bigger, I think it's really important to be relative about what is big. Um, you know, is a, is a seven pounder big on Toledo Bend or Fork, or is a four pounder big uh, there on the Sabine? I will say this, uh, I talked to my good buddy, uh, John Gauthier, just the other day. He said uh, his neighbor caught a seven and a half pounder last week. So it's possible to catch those six or seven pounders and it will change the game uh, there on the Spain River. But, you know, I throughout my career, a lot of the tournaments, I mean, a, a lot of the tournaments, catching 12 to 15 pounds a day, doing it four days in a row, um, was, was the standard. It, it really was. We've got some fisheries, and, I, and a lot of it, you mentioned the area there in Texas. Texas Parks and Wildlife does such a good job that the, the big fish standard on some of those places is just kind of, off the charts versus there, you know, they, they get impacted so much from the hurricanes where I won the classic at the Louisiana Delta. I mean, if, if, if they would just have great weather for about 12 years, it would be phenomenal. It would, there would be eight, nine, 10 pounders there, but, but it seems like every time it gets really, really good, they have a setback. So this time around, what kind of techniques are we going to look? Is it, is it similar to what we've seen before or what are you thinking, Davey? Well, I, I think a lot of pre-spawn. There'll, there'll probably be a few fish spawning, but the, that severe cold that we had in Texas just, uh, gosh, Dave, what was it, six weeks ago maybe? Yeah. About Something about. like that. But so unusual for South Texas. I mean, we saw pictures of things that certainly I've never seen. Even I heard stories about uh, people that have lived there their whole lives never saw that hard freeze and that hard cold. Fortunately, I don't think they had the, the fish kill that we saw some pictures of. Uh, in other parts of Texas, but um, it set them back, which would be good. So I, I really think it's going to be a lot of pre-spawn, maybe even some fish spawning, a lot of stuff going on. Uh, I have to admit, I have talked to a couple of anglers that have been practicing down there, and uh, they're saying they're biting. And, you know, it's all relative. What is a big fish? You know, is a big fish four pounds or, or is a big fish seven pounds? Same points, same money, great crowds. Orange Texas always does a phenomenal job. They really do. But one of the things that about this event that the first time it happened that literally blew me away, and I, I think it was when you were, I think it was 15 when we went there. And I remember Mike McClellan being the one that stood out to me. He wasn't the only one, but made that run to literally Houston. And I remember on day, whatever it was, day one, day two, whatever, on his bass track, we're looking and we're like, it's got to be broken. And I asked him on stage and, and he's like, no, no, my bass track was broken. I was nowhere near there. And because as unlikely as it seemed, we all kind of fell for it. We're all like, oh, well, the next day his bass track was broken and he was right back there. Um, but that's a run we keep talking about. Last time we were there, it didn't get run one that far away. Will we see those monster runs again this time around? So that's what makes it so interesting. Whether we're at Winyah Bay where we saw Scott Canterbury make that long run, he caught the big fish with literally an hour and a half to go in the event, had a solid lead. And then we saw Stetson Blaylock, that shows to stay close, literally beat him while he was driving back. And, and to me, that's what makes an event like this so interesting. We will see some people, I think, go across Galveston Bay. We'll see some people going to the Trinity River. Um, and we'll see some people stay really close to the takeoff. And it's, you know, it's risk versus reward. And, and it's so interesting to see. But the cool thing is, when, when the runs are that long, 
you 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 make a commitment each and every day uh, because you can't like oh, I'm gonna stay close and then two hours in say okay I, I need to run across Dallas to pay. I mean you you just can't uh, do that. You've got to make a commitment and, and and you're all in on commitment. And and here's something that matters so much in the elite tournaments: points to make the Bassmaster Classic. It's the biggest show in our sport and. At a place like this, you'll see a lot of anxiety on the dock in the mornings when you're there, these anglers, because they know they have to make that decision. Do I stay close? Do I make the long run or try to, you know, have this, you know, bigger bag with less fishing time? Uh, it's always a lot of fun to, to follow. One of the things that we've seen this season, though, is in tougher events. Do you believe that the, the, the veterans may mess with the rookies a little time? Come? I've Several rookies I've talked to are like, oh, we're going to Sabine. And I'm just like, man, it's not as bad as some of these veterans are. Do you think that's some gamesmanship? 1,000%, Dave. You, you nailed it. Uh, and I, I don't know this for a fact, but I know Greg Hackney fairly well. Uh, last time we were there, uh, I bet he really uh, upplayed uh, – Man, they're really biting over there around yeah. Houston kind of deal. And he just whoop, right around the corner and caught them. So, uh, well, we'll see. But but there's certainly a lot of that gamesmanship that, that takes place during our events. Well, you got to put up with me a lot over the next few days. Before I let you go, I've got one question. I mean, for me, I know we're not supposed to pick somebody or anything like that. But for me, I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound dirty, but my G-bone is tingling. I'm going to tell you how magical would it be to see Gerald Swindle finally get that elite series win and how, and what crowd deserves it more than the folks of orange like nobody has worked we've had we have so many great hosts but as far as like overcoming and work to make sure we could come back there and those people are so incredible so i i, I don't know why I, I already texted swindle and told him i think you're gonna win it who are you picking davy height so I, I wouldn't bet against Gerald swindle he is long overdue uh, i just hope honestly because i've known gerald for 25 years, competed against him so many times. I have a lot of respect for him. I, I just hope that I'm there when he wins an elite, uh, his first one. Um, but you're, you're exactly right. What better place? Because the crowds, one thing that is consistent, the weather is inconsistent. Sometimes <laughs> the fishing can be inconsistent there in Orange, Texas. But one thing that has always been consistent, the crowds show up. The people love the Bassmaster Tournament Trail, the elite folks being there. So that will be consistent. And for Gerald, um, Gerald, he, he, <laughs> I, I don't, I can't even imagine the way he's going to react when he holds that blue trophy over his head for the first time. And he's won two AOIs, which really everybody thinks, you know, is a, another notch above winning an elite, but it's going to mean a lot to him. It's on his mind. Um, he didn't have the tournament there at Pickwick that he thought he should have. He puts a lot of pressure on himself. Um, we do that as anglers, and, and sometimes I think Gerald puts too much pressure to do great, like I did the exact same thing. We saw Bill Lowen win the last event. How great was that? But to see Gerald win the win, yeah, I'm pulling for it. So you're not going to give me a pick. You're sticking with me. You're a true professional, <laughs> aren't you? We're a team. We're a team. We're D&D. &D. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, since we're a team, do me a favor. You see that shiny, beautiful Bassmaster Classic trophy behind you? Just, Just – Throw that in the truck and and bring it bring it on by to, to to Orange. I mean, I think I think it'd be a lot of fun to have as a desk or something. We we might yeah if we when we get a desk to put it on, I'll bring it. How about that, <laughs> <laughs> Davey Height? Thank you very much. We'll see you in just a few hours. Thank you so much, Dave.
How put together is Davey Hyde? I mean, he is crisp, always put together, and always delivers. And I am, we're like with a freaking odd couple. I mean, when you see us working together, I mean, I'm always just a mess, and he's always just pleated, ironed straight, ready to go. Uh, that never stood out more than last year when we were in the Thousand Islands. We both had our boat. I looked at our boats sitting there at the end of the day and his boat was beside my boat. And my boat's dark and his boat's light and my boat's filthy and his boat's clean and I got weeds hanging off the side of mine and you can't even look at his for the gleam of how shiny it is and he still thinks his is a mess. Um, but the dude's put together, always delivers, and I appreciate him for doing the show. And I'm really looking forward to working with him again this week. I mean, it's uh, a lot of fun. We're doing a couple of hours every day, I think, from 11 to 12 on Bass Live and maybe from 1 to 2 or something. I, I, the times will be up there. But um, it's really cool. And, and speaking of Bass, I mean, I need to leave to go do that. So that means that this is over. That's all I got for you. I hope you enjoyed this. We tried to do something different. We tried to do something um, cool, and we're going to continue to do that. When I say we, it's not just me. It's our production crew and you guys. So let's build this together. I mean, sure, there's going to be some speed bumps. You know, if you haven't subscribed to Facts of Fishing, make sure to do that because this is the only channel you're going to be able to see this on. But you're going to be able to see it every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. I can guarantee you that. Um Make sure to like and comment. That makes a big difference on this video getting out there. And it all the pressures on this one channel. I mean, we're not even on our streaming services up to this point because shocker, believe it or not, the transition has not been as smoothly as I would have thought. So hopefully we can get Spotify, iTunes, and all that taken care of in the next few weeks. But for right now, it's right here, and it always will be right here for each and every one of you guys. Let me know in comments what you think of this, what you'd like to see different. We're not locked into any particular format. The only thing we're locked into is making it better, making it bigger, helping it grow, and helping it be fun. And don't ever let anyone tell you in life that trying to grow something and trying to make something as big and as best as possible. There's not a slight in you. Don't be afraid to be driven. Go out there and achieve things. Enjoy being. Enjoy your week. We'll see you next week. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to. You hear?